Hey guys, the show is about ready to start, but really quick, I wanted to grab your attention, tell you to have a pencil and paper ready. I have some very important information you're going to want to stick around for after the show regarding updated contact information, websites, and more. Everything's changed. Holy cow. What do I mean? Everything's ready to start. I gotta run. Stick around after the show and I'll get you filled in. Welcome to this podcast. Get ready. Here we go. GOST Radio proudly presents Random Illusions, the podcast where the occult community goes for its listening pleasure. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, or grab a glass of wine at the end of a long day if that's what you want to do. Kick back, settle in, and hang out with me for just a little bit while we chat it up about magic. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and squirrels, welcome to Season 2, Episode 38, and we are on Part 3 of Super Servitor September! Tonight we're going to talk about tulpas, egregores, thought forms, a little bit more on some sigils, and servitors. And we are joined in the virtual studio tonight by none other than my trusty sidekick, the mystical musician, Tim, the ghoul man, Cheesebrow. Say hi, Tim. Hello, Shasta. <laughs> You're sounding creepy again tonight. I'm sorry. It is uh, just something that happens uh, this time of year. Oh, you're getting ready for Halloween and for Ouija October! Bum, bum, bum. Oh my gosh, we already have some stuff in store for Ouija October. Scary stuff. It may not be Ouija board stuff every episode, but we're going to do scary things. It's going to be a scary, scary October. Well, and by next by next month, I will have uh, the updates for you on a very interesting project that we are engaging in right now. Mm, yes, the project. I know which project that you speak of. And uh, I am I'm looking forward to the updates. Keep us posted on that as things progress. I also want to draw attention to the fact that Tim, the ghoul man Cheesebrow, oh, the giant dog is in the studio tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You are the first lifetime member to buy one of the newly available real estate lots here on the podcast. And you just simply requested that we park your first playlist that we did on the podcast. So we just parked it there uh, in one of the available real estate options. And I want to thank you publicly for being a lifetime member. And if you ever want to swap that out, you, you're you considering some other content. We'll just bring everyone's attention to that. But thank you for supporting the podcast. And it's very much appreciated. Hey, you know, um, the stats were there. There's a lot of participation. I figured grab the numbers while they're hot. And you're supporting a good cause. It's very much appreciated. It helps me with all the ongoing costs of keeping the podcast going. 
Yeah, so we've got we've got a couple more people interested in some of those available spots. And yeah, it's a great deal. And you're helping the podcast and it gets your voice heard. So anyone out there, if you've got some ideas or you would like to use that for anything for upcoming events and have just some temporary space, anything, we'll, uh, we'll work with you on that. Let me know. Hit me up, randomillusions.com and hit that contact link on that upper menu. So what do we have on the agenda tonight? I think we were going to talk about tulpas, tulpas, egregores. Uh, you were going to jump in because you didn't join me last week. You had some stuff on sigils and other thought form kind of comments that you wanted to bring to the table and just uh, kind of keep pecking away at this can of worms that we're calling Super Servitor September. So let's just do a little bit of a recap. I had mentioned last week that one of the most effective and simplistic thought forms out there are sigils. And you had mentioned this week that you had some really great information you wanted to share with the listener base. Yeah, um, sigils, I think that they're often overlooked because of their simplicity. But in that simplicity lies the power, right? There's kind of a resurgence right now of people rediscovering Nordic runes and using those for magic and really deriving a lot of meaning out of what are essentially these very primitive scribbles and scrawls. But there's a lot there. Right. And there's a big, deep history there. And so all that richness gets sucked up into that really simple sigil idea and it can be transferred so there's a lot of power in the simplicity and it's also really great for the kinds of magic where people are doing practical things like i want i have conditioned a i want to achieve condition b here is my visual representation of getting from a to b you know what a really great example of that And it kind of brings last month into this month with the shadow work, but it's a sigil book and it's a highly effective sigil book. And it's the Sigils of Power and Transformation by Adam Blackthorne. All of those in there can be used for self-betterment, your shadow work, helping you discover things, get past hangups, all sorts of good stuff. But yeah, it's a very powerful means of connecting with different concepts. And if you want to make your own, take things, take symbols, take take ideas and reduce them to their very most minimal visual representation and work with that and try and turn that into something that is simple and reproducible. You know, you see there's a lot of sigil generators out there and um, there's a lot of methods of deriving sigils by using some sort of name like either numbers or letters that they kind of bounce to and create a little line type, like a constellation type shape. Those are all fine. They work. But my take on it is what a sigil is supposed to do is it's supposed to tap into the the memory and the unconscious part of you that is working on whatever problem it is you're trying to solve. Yep, and you can do that in whatever way it is meaningful to you. You're trying to awaken that part of your brain. And so 
if you're able to punch letters into a sigil generator and get a line drawing and if that does it for you that's cool that's great i find it's easier to make a sigil that looks like the thing i'm trying to represent so that when i look at it i don't have to consult a book to figure out what it is i'm looking at so when i make a sigil for something i use stuff i know i try and pack it with as much meaning as i can using as few lines as I can. Another way you can do that, and I mentioned this before, and I have another book that outlines this, it is you take the phrase or word that you're focusing on or the concept, eliminate all of the vowels, or some people like to leave the vowels in. There's no reason why you can't. But eliminate all of the repeating letters until you just get the core sounds of that. And then you're going to take those letters, bust them apart, and rearrange those shapes into something that looks nothing like those letters. Your subconscious, the deep psyche, will grab that. And especially since you created it, it will use that. It'll connect to it. It will help you connect to that concept by just seeing that sigil you create. And you can also create mantras much the same way. So you, you eliminate the vowels, eliminate the repeating letters rearrange them, and then add vowels back in to make a mantra that sounds good to you, and your subconscious can break that apart. So with with sigils, it's a thought form that connects. It's basically, I look at it as a connection point or an energy connection that connects you to that concept you're trying to connect to. Sometimes I look at it as a portal or a node. I think of it as a quick dial yeah. or like a Almost like electrician schematic for a particular circuit to perform a function. So that yep. it, it's almost like you're telling the universe, here's what I want you to do. And all of that goes into that image. And so every time you see the image, draw the image, whatever, it's, um, it's attached to that. I also want to say, if there's an angel or a spirit of the Goetia that you work with, you can always find those spirits' sigils in books. You can Google them. You can bring up the conventional sigils for those spirits. You can always find a way to connect with any spirit through their sigil. And you don't have to even buy books. You can just Google them. They're out there. But if there's one that you work with in particular, you can work with that spirit and have them help you intuit your own sigil just for your connection with them. And it'll be your little secret handshake sigil. And it's just another way for you to connect with ones that you're currently working with regularly. Maybe it's your favorite. You've always been working with them. Maybe you've got a project. You're working with one on a temporary basis. The sky is the limit. You can create your own. You don't have to buy books. So you can do all your research on just about any spirit online and uh, either use pre-generated ones that have existed for hundreds of years or make your own. And, I mean, we recently made our own. Yep. Um, we did that. I mean, you told them about the Mad Psalms method. Yep. We did that. And then to harness the power of that ritual, we made a sigil using, you know, whatever method we chose and ended up constructing a sigil out of the characters from one of the magical alphabets. And then we and, also use that to create a mantra as also or an N, however you want to phrase that. Yeah. So whenever we want to 
tap into the power of what we what we did that night, which was hugely. I mean, it was monumental. All we got to do is use that symbol, and this is why I got to stress the simplicity is what is going to make it. A lot of folks, when they start getting into sigil work, especially if they're the artsy type, they try and make it as complex and like cool and you know edgelordy as possible. That's not practical, is the thing. You want to try and make it with as few lines as possible because you want to be able to remember how to do it and be able to reproduce it anywhere. And it's uh, basically a little, I almost call it like a logo, but it's also a magic tool. So you're charging it, you're creating it, you're giving it purpose, and it's a tool. It's a energetically charged tool that you can take anywhere you can draw it it's mobile and it's not like a a candle holder or a altar plate or something of that nature this is a mobile tool that you can put on things you can draw it on stuff it can be invisible when you draw it on it but it holds meaning you create it and you can use it anywhere and any way you want yeah i mean uh here's an example to protect my car I draw the protection rune in the dust on the dashboard. That's only possible if the sigil I'm trying to use is simple. If your sigil involves like multiple colors with gradients and it's got a 3D effect and there's shadows and there's, you're never going to be able to reproduce that. I want to just do a little side note here. Pre-made sigils here again. Runes are a great way to go. If you need something in a pinch, you can get a lot of magic, and it is a system that has existed for a very long time, and they are a little sigil that is very easy to remember. So you find the one that means the most for your situation or your need, and it's not going to be very hard. Even anyone that's like, oh, I can't draw or anything, they're they're just a series of little lines that are connected. They're, they're almost nothing. Anyone can make a rune. And knowing... Knowing them and knowing how to use them, man, it is, it's such a simple, powerful form of magic. One of the things that I do is I, I carry around a vial of anointing all the time. And if a situation arises where I need something really quick, I usually turn to runes for that because I can just wet my finger into the, into the bottle very inconspicuously. And let's say I'm going into a meeting where I think there's going to be some deceitful people there. I draw the tear rune on the door of of that room so that when it's shut, the idea is that only truth can be spoken in that room. Nice. It's worked several times, enough times to matter. Or if I'm going on a long journey, like I said, I'll carve some protection runes and things into into the dust on the car. I've never had a problem. So does that mean that the magic works and maybe you're just a good driver maybe i am maybe i was fortunate to be around other good drivers i don't know but for 0.5 seconds of effort and it's effort well spent yeah i mean it's uh it's low risk high reward so learn the system and then figure out inconspicuous ways to just kind of use it to help your life it's uh Kind of fun, actually. Yeah. Now, here again, sigils are safe. And if you want to get to some pre-made sigils, 
uh, you're not really going to make your own. You could look at runes. You can find information on runes anywhere. You could look at the book Sigils of Power and Transformation by Adam Blackthorne. I've mentioned it in the past on this podcast. Very, very, very effective and very, very, very easy magic. You're basically going to focus your eyes in different ways for about two minutes on a sigil and focus your thoughts in certain ways while you look at that sigil and get about your day. And that's all it is. And the reason it's so safe is here again, you can think of some of these sigils as a portal to that concept. Or if you're working with a spirit, it's a connecting point or a portal to that spirit so they can hear you and they can make a communication connection. It's not dangerous. It's not going to hurt you. It'll get your communications across and get your thoughts or your voice heard and very effective. But when you get into the thought form concept of servitors, it gets a little bit more complicated. It is not just a symbol that sits there and creates an effect when you look at it or opens you to that concept. And that's basically what a sigil is. It helps you open to that concept you're trying to engage with, where a servitor goes out and does things for you. It has a living element to it. It is able to think for itself, but it does not act on behalf of itself. It acts on behalf of you. It's a little tiny energy concierge with one purpose, (laughs) and it's very effective. It's not strong magic. It's not strong energy, but it's extremely effective because it is so pinpoint targeted for its purpose. Yes, and that is one example of the thought form. There are lots of others out there that we're going to talk about. Tulpas, Tulkas, Kako Diamonds, Agatho Diamonds. We'll talk about Golems, Egregores. These are all thought forms. And so a servitor, I think, could be categorized as a thought form with intelligence and autonomy, whereas a sigil, depending on how it's constructed, is either not intelligent and just basically like a circuit diagram. It could be given intelligence, but not autonomy. So a sigil is essentially a program. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it, it's just a connector, in my opinion. Um, it connects you with a concept or a spirit or a thing you're trying to achieve in some manner. Which means it's really hard to corrupt, too. I mean, if it, it if everything's hardwired, it's really hard for someone to come and disrupt whatever it is you created. So, like, sigils are a very safe form of magic. Now, servitors, a little bit farther out from that because you're giving them autonomy. And and it's and this is one of those things we are fulfilling that piece of our design wherein we are like the divine because we have the ability to pluck from the unmanifest, bring to the manifest and breathe the spark of life into a being. You know, this is our act of creation. And it's you know, it it really is a beautiful thing. So if you if you hold it in that kind of respect and regard, you're going to create some great servitors and they, you know, they will have autonomy, but they won't have will. What is between a, a, a servitor and a and a tulpa? So a tulpa is created with an independent will. 
And that is where things can go off the rails. Yeah. And, you know, then there's different variations of that. And I've run into people that get into this very, so a sigil is pretty cut and dry what it is. You can't really get around. It is what it is. Same with the servitor. It's a spirit born of your spirit. And no matter how many books I have found on the topic of servitors, most of them are pretty much right in line with the other ones, no matter who writes it. But then when you get into tulpas, tulkas, you start getting into a wider range of definitions depending on the culture and maybe even the magic tradition. So if any one person out there is saying, no, it's one thing or another, be a little bit cautious. It's not. And it's a huge can of worms. So we're going to tell you what we found tonight. And it's probably one of those things that if you're interested, do your research from a ton of different angles. Don't just find one angle and go with that because it could be wrong. Quite easily, because most of what we know from like our modern definition of Tulpa and Tulka comes from a very poorly translated text in the early to mid-1900s of people who really didn't speak the Tibetan language very well. And they mistranslated a bunch of stuff about a being or a uh, an emanation called the Solpa in, uh, in their language. And, you know, I read enough to get just kind of the briefest skim about what these are. But my understanding is that they go, there's, there's a lot of depth here that I am not going to be able to convey, I guess. But what I was able to glean was that these shulpas are emanations, which means they are kind of astral representations of an already existing being. It could be a human being. It could be a God form. It could be an emanation of uh, one of the incarnations of the Buddha. There are lots of ways in which these kinds of emanations may show up. But what's for sure is that the way that we understand the word tulpa in Western esotericism is entirely colored by Western esotericism and theosophy meeting up with bad translations and we kind of filled in the gaps using the knowledge we had and created our own little thing. So, in fact, the, the majority of people that take on the, the term of Tulpamancer are middle-aged, white, Protestant males <laughs> living in Northeast USA. Wow. <laughs> so, people living in Tibet, they aren't, you know... They aren't into tulpas. There aren't any tulpas. Not, not, not to that any, but there is not a statistically significant population of tulpamancers in Tibet. And then uh, an, another thing that I've found, because I've been looking at other sources, which just reinforces that there is just so many definitions out there. A lot of people embrace the definition that a tulpa is more or less a servitor that's made by more than one person on purpose. So like you and I could make a servitor, it would technically be a tulpa because it's not made just from a spirit born of my spirit. 
it's an intermix of two human beings or five or even 10 or more. There was a movie that was made called Empty Man. That's kind of interesting on that concept. It's Hollywood. Take it, you know, or leave it. But there's so many different definitions. And then on Tolka, there's also a pronunciation that's Tolku. And here again, it's just another variation of thought form. Some of them go by a a tulpa is what is it? it? It's a different type of slice of your energy. It's more of a slice of you completely, and it can turn on you. Like it, it, yeah, it, it, it includes your will. Yeah, which means it has the ability to be upset with you and to turn on you and to have opinions of its own. And then a lot of the definitions that I ran across on this were interesting because more often than not, there were warnings about they start out okay, especially if they're created by a group of people. It can start out as a a group servitor, a group created servitor of sorts. So you have a tulpa. But if you've got some ill-intentioned individuals in that group, it could take those elements of their personality and that could be what grows and manifests and develops is that jerkish side of more than one person even. And that's when those will turn on you. If you don't know people inside and out, and it is impossible to do that because everyone has their own private thoughts, (laughs) you know, you don't know what parts of their personality could come out in that thing. So the more I've read about them, there's always dangers involved with tulpas when it comes to group creation of thought form type entities. Yeah, I mean, I would say if I would always advise you to play it safe, just stick with servitors, man. And Yeah, and you know, that goes hand in hand with the, let's just touch on egregores. I don't think either one of us, once we started realizing what that concept was, we're really qualified to like sit here and go oh this is what it is but i ran across an equal amount of definitions and concepts for egregore it's not just one concept it it's actually pretty wide as to what it could mean but it's collective consciousness is the root of that one right and i think even some of the beings that you would have described as tulpas just a little bit ago um some people would put that under the definition of egregore so there's like, this is really, it's a blurry line because a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. They're backed up from different sources and who's to say what's more legitimate than the other. But, uh, egregores, I think, uh, especially unconsciously formed egregores are basically about humans sharing an emotional experience of great intensity and uh, one example I could think of would be Woodstock, right? Mm, the, yeah. the, the original Woodstock, 1969, Summer of Love. I mean, everybody's feeling the good vibes. And it was like one of the largest gatherings of humans in history where like almost nothing went wrong. Right. It was just this week of people hanging out and loving each other and, you know, I'm not saying it was all great for everyone, but, you know, minimal problems considering. Then you can contrast that with Woodstock 2000, which people went there with a totally different mindset and a totally different group mentality took over. Yep. And 
it was it was a little more sour yeah i mean it was one of those don't ever come back here again type things well and then another type of group mentality and without just naming names of groups but everyone can probably think of political parties and how that can affect people's mentalities towards one another some of that can be more positive some of that can be really negative there's group mentalities associated with organized sports professional sports look how that can turn really sour from one group to another and people cannot even know each other but there's a mentality attached that controls them and that's one of the biggest things with egregores is that it it controls people's thinking once it gets out of control, basically, is it's a concept of collective consciousness that actually starts controlling the humans. Such a broad concept. Another broad concept of egregore could be various forms of pop culture magic and pop culture symbols. Yeah. I mean, pop culture, anything, really. Yep. Um Stuff that people are pouring their energy into. This is this is the the focus of a book and TV series called American Gods, where they said that these new gods, instead of being Zeus and Persephone and all of these things, these were gods of industry, gods of the internet, gods of pornography, gods of you know different political parties, like things that people are putting their faith into. Whatever, whatever people are feeding, that is what becomes the dominant egregore. And it is such an interesting idea for a fictional series, but there is an element of truth to it in that egregores are created when people are focusing their emotion, their energy, their intent onto a single thing over time, continuously feeding it. It, it does start to take on a life of its own. Yep. And then another concept of that, and this one is where I get a little bit perplexed by, because I've read it online a few times. I've read it in a book. What is an egregore? It's a watcher. Okay. Well, if there's no Ooh. definition of what a watcher is, different magic cultures, different cultures could have different concepts of that. One that I ran across in this book that I have on egregores, it's interesting, is there's like egregores for maybe specific groups, maybe a religious group or a, a spiritual path group, whatever, to watch over when they sleep so they're not attacked by nightmares and things in dreams and keeps them safe during a dream state. So, I mean, there's different concepts of watchers, too. You know, that watcher would watch over that group of people as they are in a very vulnerable state. So... They can be good and they can be bad. And they, like you said, they can develop on their own. And it's one of those bizarre things that about the time you think you got your, your head wrapped around the concept, you find 12 more definitions that other people are using, it seems like. Right. So don't hold so tight to whatever definition you've been given by someone else. Keep reading. Keep learning. I personally think that all of these thought forms pretty much exist on a continuum, you know, not unlike autism, you know, where does, where does Asperger's stop and autism begin? Nobody knows really. It's totally subjective. Where does, where does a servitor stop and a tulpa begin? Where does a tulpa stop and an egregore begin? 
who's to say, you know, figure out where you think the boundaries are, figure out how you think the mechanics of it work. Another concept I came up with is like you and I were talking, we mentioned it last time you were on the podcast and we talked about it in private conversations since is we've, we brought up like there was Facebook groups we were in that had group servitors and people would say, Hey, let's see if this works. And they would post it and it would work for a while and it would fizzle out. Then there's other ones that seem to work in other concepts. But when it comes down to that, if you don't know how it was created, maybe it's a tulpa. We don't know. Then also just be careful when you're experimenting with stuff like that. Because here again, if someone else created it, you don't know how that thing is going to just serve them and how it will serve you because it was born of their spirit. It may not be all that helpful to you if that type of person that created it just isn't interested in empowering people. You just don't know what's going to happen. So experiment and take it with a grain of salt. If you're going to experiment, realize it's still an experiment and it's not angel magic. It's not gin magic. It's not Goetia magic. Yeah, I would um, I'd build on that by um, giving you a couple quick personal anecdotes. I created a group servitor basically for like raising and storing power for a for a, a group on on Facebook. And initially it worked really, really, really well because there was a small group of people who were using it and they all had the right mindset and they were using it for the right things. And it was beautiful and it worked. And the wider spread it got, the weaker it got because all of a sudden, everybody's drawing on it. Nobody's given to it. There's weird stuff getting mixed up in there. People are using it for, you know, ill intent. And it, and it, you know, it basically busted the thing. And then I had another experience creating a group signal for, for someone. And what I learned after the fact was I had created the sigil, sent it to him. He had made a couple of modifications and posted it. Those modifications, I don't know what those modifications were. You know, maybe they were modifications to charm everyone in the group to like him as a person, trust him, treat him as a friend, get in their confidence. Like maybe they were for generating sales. Maybe they were, for, I don't know. And that, that, that's kind of the, 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 not scary, but just the cautionary part is if you're getting anything from someone else, if they're building you a servitor or building you a familiar or whatever, you don't know what they're really doing. They could be creating a servitor that its only function is to make sure you come back every month for a new sale. You don't know. You, the only way you know for sure is if you do it yourself. So you know what? Do it yourself. And more than likely, if you're getting a servitor that's coming to you by way of you're getting an invoice and then you turn around and you're getting a PDF file and it's all filled out with all this fancy information and all you got to do is print it up. You're probably just paying a lot of money for a pre-constructed PDF file that has no magic to it. It's not a servitor. It looks good. It was a, a novelty. You're, you're lucky if anyone's doing any magic, but then here again, if someone's making you a servitor, that's a spirit born of their spirit. That's not your servitor. That's something they made you. You that's don't know. A if, servitor. 
Yeah. And so even if you do find someone that's making them, that's not, that's their servitor. And what I found and I bought it. Now I make my servitors a little bit different, but if anyone out there needed this, I think it is excellent, excellent and worth mentioning. There is a workbook. Okay. So this workbook, you could make up to 49 different servitors with this workbook and it is pre-constructed blank pages with all of the different questions typically found in different occult methods of making servitors. And each one in this workbook amounts to four solid pages of questions. And they give you plenty of space for posting a sigil that you create and all the different components of that, what its purpose is, uh, personality, what you want it to look like, how long it's going to live? Is it or a temporary? Is it going to be ongoing? If you need to terminate it, how are you going to do that? It's got all the details. So if you're somebody that just needs those prompts in order to do the magic, and that's all that's holding you back is your your own organizational skills or just getting off your butt and doing it, this workbook is awesome. It's called the Servitor and Thought Form Creation Workbook, a journal for creating helpful spirits. And I don't see an author. Hang on. Let me see if there's an author. Uh, there's no author that really posts themselves on this. It's a very beautiful book, though. It's very well thought out. Okay, I found it. It is. Uh, it's actually very new. It's copyright 2022. And the cover, interior, and entire design is by Kimberly Ann Monk. There you go. It's Her name is not on the cover she doesn't really present herself as the author of the book but it's just a workbook so there you go anyone that needs something to kind of get you off your butt and start working on it really good layout and it'll give you some great ideas and i just finished reading a book called creating magical entities by david michael cunningham and also has as a contributing author our dear friend taylor elwood <laughs> Oh, I mentioned him and that same book last week. That's so awesome. You got that one too. Oh yeah. It was a great read. I mean, I had, you know, my highlighter was going full force most there of the time. There you go. Yeah. I, you know, I skimmed through it. I still haven't read it, but I did skim through it. It looked like a really well-written. I read a couple of the different paragraphs and different chapters just to see how, how things are being phrased and stuff. And you know what? I ended up kind of spending some time in each chapter for a little bit and it looked awesome. I just didn't spend enough time in it yet. Yeah. I mean, if anybody wants a how to with a lot of really good background information, a lot of detail about, you know, how your mindset should be, how you can properly prepare, you know, suggestions about how to construct an entity if you want that kind of detail, that's a great book for you. So since you mentioned Taylor, and I mentioned this book last week, I still haven't had time to just dive into it. But here again, I flipped through it. It looked really great. He does mention different concepts, you know, with the servitors, egregores, thought forms. And it is the Walking with Magical Entities by Taylor Elwood. So you could check that out, too. He does have a lot of experience with these concepts. And I mean, I trust anything he writes. He is a really open-minded guy. He promotes this kind of thing, experimentation. And, you know... Put it short, Taylor is the kind of guy that actually does the work. And not just, not just the fun stuff. He does the hard stuff. 
He does the internal alchemy work. He's very serious about it. And that's one of the reasons why I love the guy. And um, he, he does his research too. He he does yeah. his he does his digging. But yeah, he's he's smart, he's open, he's honest, and you know, he really believes in what he does. And it's you know, it's really refreshing and awesome to see somebody who's doing that. Well, you know, I think I think we've dumped a lot of a lot of worms out of this can tonight. They're crawling around all over the place on thought forms and egregores and tulpas and all this craziness. But I think, you know, the takeaway for just the average practitioner, the newbie out there, really, and the average anybody, all you really need is get some really good sound sigil magic under your belt, create your own, figure out something that works for you. And it's nothing that you have to go around and create tons of sigils for a ton of different things. You may find one or two needs that maybe you're working on or maybe you're working towards or some goals and create a sigil that just keeps that concept in the forefront of your mind. So you've always got your consciousness and your mundane work going on, but it's going to help connect you to that final goal too. Really great thing to work on. Start practicing with some servitors, create some different servitors for different reasons, and they don't have to be long-lived. They could be for a very short purpose. Really great, effective magic. Anyone can do it, and it's safe, and you're making it for your purpose, so it's really hard to screw up. You can even make them for the purpose of practicing making them. There you go. Like, you can say that is your purpose. After you've made it, your purpose is fulfilled. Thank you. It had a happy little life. <laughs> I can't remember when I have and haven't talked about my first two servitors. Now, of course, whenever you make a servitor, the rule of thumb is you never tell another person its name. And ideally, you never tell them what it looks like. And just say, hey, I made it for this general purpose and I'm having great results with it. You don't want to give details out of your thought forms and your servitors. But if you do want to talk about it, you're talking to another magician, you can give generalized information. So I'm going to do that right now. My first two, they're still going strong and they kind of work together as a, a form of magical bullshit goggles, really. So one of them helps me see the qualities I most need to see in another individual. So if it's somebody that I'm going to be dealing with or I want to see if there's somebody I can trust or what kind of personality they have, if they're going to be a right fit for a job, whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. You just want to see what those qualities are that you most need to see in a person. It's going to that servitor helps me see those qualities very clearly. Now, he has a little counterpart that works on the person to help them Put out those qualities that I most need to see. It will not alter their behavior. It will not make them do something that's not in their nature to do. It just helps them be the person that they are so that I can assess, you know, do I trust this person? Are they good for this job? Are they good for this situation? Can I work with them this way? What do I need to know about them? Whatever the situation is, you know, it gives me insight and it gives me very clear insight as to the nature of different people. And they are constantly working for me. They're constantly thinking outside of the box. 
and they've never failed me. So whenever I don't really need them, they just kind of take a snooze. And whenever I need them, I just call them into action. They go do their thing and then they go back to snoozing. <laughs> so, Well, and, and sometimes, you know, we're talking about how it, they could fulfill your desire in a jarring way or, uh, you know, an unpracticed way, maybe. Yep. And, and so way. I think, I think for those reasons, if it's a poorly constructed servitor or you've got some real harsh, impulsive natures on something or you create it where it could have some of those same qualities as you in a certain situation, it may not be that it goes rogue or goes wonky or anything. It could be that it's just reflecting a part of you that you really need to fine tune and if that happens with your servitor, you can fine-tune that servitor. You don't have to kill it off. Let it be a learning experience, and then look at yourself and let it be a shadow work experience, too. It's also going to help your insight and your imagination for new servitor creation. Look at everything, not as a failure, but as a, hmm, what did I not look at that I could fix? Well... You can fine-tune it by fine-tuning yourself, and it will learn from you. Yep. You know, that's kind of a kind of a nice win. But you want to think through your servitors and how how they could impact you because... Yep, there went Tim. All right. Sorry for the technical difficulties there. Tim just zapped out of existence. I'm not sure where he went. So we're just going to conclude that here. I think we've given you a whole ton of information. Really, in a nutshell, all of you newbies out there, you want to gain some confidence with your magic? Start with sigil magic. Start with mantra magic. Back in the early stages of the podcast, you can go back to those. And I did a focus on Bal Kedmon's book with mantra magic using Moldavite. And it was amazing. Now, you don't have to use Moldavite to do mantra chanting. It gets into your psyche. Combine that with some sigil magic. And hey, guess what? You can do that no matter what your spiritual path is. There's nothing wrong with it. That is reinforcing a concept and opening your mind to a concept. If you want something with a little bit more rocket fuel, jump into some servitor magic. You really can't go wrong with it. And it is a great way to build your confidence with any magic. So I really encourage you to explore it. And for this week's reading list, I'm going to give you a couple of books here. I think Tim is trying to come back on. So I'm just giving them the reading list. I kind of concluded what we were talking about. So one sigil book I ran across this week, it looks great. It's another way of creating sigils that's a little bit more artsy and creative it's not quite as pointed and what did you call that like a, a star constellation or something and mm -hmm. it's called practical sigil magic for beginners by shannon c clark and it seems kind of witchy it's got some just beginner concepts of different ways you can do sigil magic if you're into that but personally i got my own ways i might get around to trying that but it looks very user-friendly, very non-intimidating. It would be a great way for beginners to get their feet wet in any kind of magic. Now, if you're looking for a broad concept on thought forms, this one is called Magical Use of Thought Forms, 
by Dolores Ashcroft Norwicki and J.H. Brennan. And if this tells you anything, the bibliography and references of all the research spans about six and a half pages on that book. So it is a very well-researched book. I also got Egregores, The Occult Entities That Watch Over Human Destiny by Mark Stavish. Very deep. Lots of concepts in that. And then I mentioned this earlier, The Servitor and Thought Form Creation Workbook. And that's new on the market. All of those can be found on Amazon. So you got back just in time for (laughs) bye-bye. Do you have any conclusion thoughts on the topics? Yeah, one thing I wanted to wanted to revisit before we before I kind of got cut off there was I wanted to make sure that people knew when these things are happening, if you create a servitor that is forceful or direct or whatever, and it's making kind of jarring changes in your life, just keep in mind that it may be what you asked for. And people are really quick to jump to, uh, oh, my servitor has gone sour and it's cursing me or I'm being cursed or hexed by someone. It may not be that at all. It may be you're just experiencing exactly what you asked for and you didn't know what you were asking for at the time. Yeah. And if, if you, if that's a spirit born of your spirit, you give it one task to do and it's something you're very passionate about, that servitor is going to be very passionate about making you happy about that topic. So it could work in overdrive. You don't know. It just depends on how much energy you put into it and how much thought you put into it. Sometimes they can take off and really work for you. I've had them do that too. So play with it. Start simple and start with very easy concepts. Create it for a simple purpose that can't really go crazy or wonky on you and then um, expand on the concept yeah good idea yeah all right we've gotten really deep on this subject this week and next week we are gonna do a final grand conclusion of super servitor september with the ever elusive topics of familiars and god forms God form. God form. God form. Coming to a thought form near you. It's God forms. God form. Oh, it's a God form. God form. God form. God form. God form. Hey, that's familiar. 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 It's a familiar God form. Let's get familiar with God forms next week on Random Illusions. But not too familiar. That's frowned upon. Dude, do you know how you know how long we have been talking about thought forms? I need to edit this stuff. Oh my gosh. We need to say bye-bye. All right, everyone. I guess really all there is left to say is keep a smile on your face. Keep practicing your magic and by all means, go make yourself a servitor. Go create some sigils. Go study up on this magic form. It is really versatile and really effective, and it'll make your life better. And until next week, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. See you later. I'll see you later. Come on. We're nuts, man.
thanks for sticking around after the show. Oh my gosh, so many changes and so many things to tell all of you about. We are officially in rerun mode. What does that mean for you? Well, hey, if you listen on your favorite podcast app, nothing is going to change. You will always be able to go back and listen to your favorite episodes and guest spots anytime you want, just as you always have. Again, nothing will change for those of you that use your favorite podcast app. Next, the website will change a little bit. It will change to www.podpage.com slash random dash illusions, or you can listen directly off the host site, www.randomillusions.buzzsprout.com. Links are now in every episode show notes. Check it out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gostradio, twitter.com slash gostradio. If you love YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Random Illusions Podcast YouTube channel, the GOST Radio YouTube channel, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow us there. Links are down in the show notes. Exclusively for the listener base of Random Illusions, Tim and I are going to continue our coffee.com divinations. Just let us know if you want a rune reading by Tim or a tarot reading by Shasta and what your question is. Give us about two business days and we will respond with a thorough answer to your question, giving you some insight and maybe a little inspiration as well. If you would like to follow Tim and I as we jump into our new leadership roles and all of the new projects we are presenting and working on, don't forget to hit us up. Facebook, privately, Tim Cheesebrow, Shasta Michaels, Random Illusions, or just shoot us an email at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at randomillusions.com. And we will send you links as to where you can keep tabs on all of our future endeavors and adventures. And hey, you may want to get involved yourself. You never know. All right. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. We will be announcing when we will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.